Well, hey, I appreciate you guys coming out tonight. I appreciate you guys choosing my module. I know some people, if, if there wasn't room in the other ones, uh, you had to, you're here begrudgingly. I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully you still uh, get something out of it. Um, I'm excited to, to talk about this topic. Uh, I'm excited that there's three weeks to do this. So if I bomb tonight, I got two more chances. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad for that. Uh, just kind of want to introduce myself first. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm, my name's Preston Young. I've been uh, attending here for about three years. Uh, my beautiful wife, Nicole, who's helping with the handouts there. Uh, I have four, four kids, age 18, 12, 8, and 6. Um, and and just, uh, just excited to be here, love this church, and obviously love the chance to, to get up and, and speak about an important topic. Professionally, uh, I was in the corporate world for about 10 years. Uh, and then God, God took me out of the corporate world uh, into a ministry, and that ministry is called Freedom for Youth uh, Ministries. I'm the director of operations there. Uh, if you're not familiar with Freedom for Youth, uh, we do K through 12 uh, after school and summer programming, uh, and then work training for young adults as well. Uh, and our programs are based on the FEEL acronym uh, that stands for Faith, Education, Employment, and Leadership. Uh, and really, we're about community development. Uh, and so, uh, the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is uh, when I started working there, uh, Mark Nelson, who, who's my boss, he handed me this book, and I had never read it, but he had just read it, and he handed it to me and he said, I want to make sure we're not hurting people. Uh, we, wor we work with folks in poverty, and, and he had read this and was pretty convicted, so that set me on a journey uh, to not only read the book, but understand the concepts of the book and apply the concepts of the book in a ministry setting. Uh, and so when Brad came to me, uh, Pastor Brad asked me if I was familiar with it and I'd be interested in talking about it. I said, yeah, like, I'm intimately familiar with it. So he said, hey, would you want to, you know, lead a, lead a module to discuss it? Uh, and I thought, oh, you know, that'd be great, you know, if we've got 10 or 10, 12 people across the table that I can talk to. And then here we are now. We're in the auditorium, which is, which is awesome, which is great. So if you're not familiar with the book, uh, when Helping Hurts is a biblically-based framework for helping the least of these, not only here at home, but across the world. Um, so if you have your handout, I think that's the first fill-in there. Again, a biblically-based framework for helping the least of these uh, here at home and across the world. And I uh, just want to give you a little flavor of the book. Uh, and, and so here's what it says uh, when it talks about poverty and, and helping those who are poor. It says, what is the task of the church? It's asking that question. And here's the answer it gives. It says, we are to embody Jesus Christ by doing what he did, what he continues to do through us. Declare, using both words and deeds, that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, who is bringing in a kingdom of righteousness, justice, and peace. And the church needs to do this where Jesus did it, among the blind, the lame, the sick, the outcast, and the poor. Um, and so that's, that's really, uh, you know, what we're going to do here over the next three weeks is, uh, is take some main concepts from the book. Obviously, you know, we're not going to talk about all of it, uh, but there's some, there's, some, there's some big things in the book that, that, that I learned um, that, that, were, that were game changers for me, and I hope to talk about those uh, with you. So main objectives of the course. Uh, this is the next fill-in. Uh, the first objective over the next three weeks is I want us to see poverty through the lens of the gospel, okay? We're in a gospel-centered church. 
Uh, I, I work for a gospel-centered ministry. Uh, that's, what, that's what I'm interested in. I think that's what leadership is interested in. I hope that's what you guys are all interested in. Is let's look at this uh, through a gospel lens. Uh, number two, be able to identify the difference between relief and development. Uh, we'll talk about this next week. Uh, this concept has been one of, the, one of the biggest aha moments for me is when I can, is when I can look at a situation and I can, I can identify whether it needs relief or development. And then the third one, the ability to discern between quality poverty alleviation efforts and efforts that may hurt those in poverty. So what I'm hoping is uh, we all leave here with some tools in our belt. Uh, so that when we uh, as believers come to uh, have an opportunity put in front of us uh, or, or, or something to, to donate to or to, or to serve at, um, and, it's, and it's working with folks uh, in poverty, that we have a few questions that we want to ask. There's a few things we want to know before making that decision to, to give our money or to give our time to that. So uh, tonight we're going to talk about reconsidering the meaning of poverty uh, that, that's the subject for tonight. Uh, and really, I want to start with why the poor. I, th I think most Christians have heard this before. I mean, as believers, God's blessed us. We should be blessing those around us. Uh, we should, you know, there's several verses uh, that talk about that. I want to I just point out a few things. The first one is Paul's heart in Galatians. Uh, in Galatians 2, 9 and 10, uh, here's what it says. It says, uh, And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars... Perceived the grace that was given to me, that's Paul, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. And then here's what he says. Only they asked us to remember the poor. He says, that's the very thing I was eager to do. Um, so you see Paul's there, uh, Paul's, uh, Paul's heart for the poor. Uh, the next one is uh, Isaiah 61.1. Uh, this is the verse, actually, Freedom for Youth was founded on when, when Mark started the ministry. This, is the, this was kind of his rallying verse. And then uh, this, Jesus actually, uh, this is what he preaches on. He <clears throat> comes back to his hometown. He gets up. He, 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 uh, he opens the scroll, and this is what he says. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight of the blind to set liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, the last one is Isaiah 58.10. Uh, and this is the a verse that, that the book actually uh, starts with. Uh, and this is what uh, Isaiah 58.10 says. It says, if, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Um, and here, here's the point that, uh, that, the, that the book makes about this verse specifically. It says, spending or pouring out yourself often involves more than giving a handout to a poor person, a handout that may very well do more harm than good. Um, and so that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, before we do that, um, I've actually had the privilege of being through a lot of other training, uh, you know, uh, in my job. And, and one of those uh, trainings, it's actually not something they talk a lot about in the book, um, but that's of understanding the mindset of folks who are in poverty. Most of us uh, have either never experienced it or aren't currently experiencing it. Um, and so sometimes we'll, we'll see people in poverty and they'll make decisions and we just don't understand it. Uh, they, seem, they seem foolish to us. 
Uh, but the point I want to make is we need to be sensitive to this mindset in order to help. We need to be sensitive to this mindset in order to help. An example would be, um, you know, I've seen, some, seen folks and uh, you'll pull up to their house and, and the house is falling down. You have even broken windows. You'll have, you know, a lawn that's overgrown. Um, you know, you'll find out that they're, you know, they're ready to get kicked out of their, their place because they haven't paid the rent. And you walk in and there's a brand new big screen TV. And you're wondering, what? that's foolish. Like, why, why would they make that decision? Um, and, and what I want us to do is, while that is foolish and we don't want to affirm it, what we do want to do is maybe understand the behavior so that we can actually help. Uh, three things I want to talk about when it comes to poverty mindset that can help us. Uh, the first concept is called tyranny of the moment. Uh, what tyranny of the moment is, is a lot of times with folks in poverty, there's a lot of drama going on. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of chaos, okay? And, and this is the environment that they're making decisions in. Um, and so an example would be um, maybe some of the small road bumps for us really cause people who are in poverty or who are in this tyranny of the moment mindset, it causes a, a ripple effect that can, that can be devastating. Example would be, let's say uh, you forget to pay your, your, your car tags. Uh, you, you forgot to, it came in the mail, you, you know you're supposed to pay to, to renew your license plate. Yeah, it, it just got shuffled, you, you forgot. Uh, you get pulled over, you get a ticket, you're out some money, and, and you move on. Um, somebody who's living in this tyranny of the moment, uh, who's, whose life is chaotic, uh, it could be a, a single mother, um, she's driving to work, uh, she's running late, um, she, she's at that job, she's kind of on her last leg there, she, nobody really uh, taught her work ethic or displayed work ethic to her, she's also a single mom, so she's had to work, leave work or not come to work a lot to take care of her kids, um, and so for her to get pulled over, uh, what, what ends up happening is it, it causes these other devastating effects because she's living in this uh, tyranny of the moment, so she loses her job, uh, you know, maybe she had a, a warrant out for her because she missed a court date that she forgot about. Um, and so, so now, something that's a small road bump for us, somebody who's living in the now and living in that tyranny of the moment. And, and so the, the reason I'm, I'm saying this is these are, the these are the environments that folks are making decisions in. And so you can start to understand, like, well, yeah, if you're living in survival mode, if you're living in that chaotic situation, the decisions you're going to make about everyday life stuff are probably going to be different than most of us, okay? Um, two other things. So tyranny of the moment. The other one is generational patterns. Uh, you know, just like uh, wealth, um, just like work ethic can be handed down from generation to generation, poverty mindset can be handed down as well. Um, so, so, so if somebody who's, who's living in this chaotic situation, they're, they're, they're living in, in that sort of environment, uh, that, that can be handed down as well. So that's all they know. That's what they're around. That's what they're, they were born into. That's, they, they, they see the decision-making patterns of, of the people that brought them into this world, uh, and they're just continuing that. So there's generational patterns where nobody's really showed them uh, a healthy way to deal with things. Nobody showed them a healthy way to spend their money. Um, and so there's generational patterns. And then the third one is environmental. Obviously, if, if somebody is around other people and they're all experiencing this tyranny of the moment, they're all experiencing chaos 
They're all making the same decisions. Again, there's nobody coming in to say, hey, there's a different way. There's a different way to think about some of the decisions that you're making. Um, so uh, the, when Helping Hurts, uh, they actually have a video series. Uh, there's, there's actually six videos in the series, and uh, what I've done is I've picked out three of them. Again, we're just going to go over some of the main concepts. Um, but the videos do a good job of, of highlighting that information and, and kind of giving us that. So what we're going to do now, uh, there's some places on your handout I want you to kind of follow along uh, to fill out, and then we'll review those afterwards. But right now we're going to go ahead and watch that video. All right. Uh, so if you, you follow along there, uh, so blank definition of poverty will lead to blank solutions. It's actually the same word that we fill in there. Who, who knows what that is? Material. Correct. Uh, so material definition of poverty will lead to material solutions. I, I think it's, it's very critical. It's a really good point. Uh, that is made uh, because, especially as believers, if, if, if we're always uh, apt to give material solutions, that's saying something about us. That's saying, uh, you're broken, you're in need, I have stuff, let me help you solve your problems by giving you stuff. And, and I think as believers, that's, that's not what we want to get across. Um, we we want to talk about uh, the next thing, which is the, the four key relationships. Uh, just kind of yell those out. Who, who, who has those? The first one? Yep, next one. Yep, next one. Yep. Yep, and the rest of creation. So I uh, just want to uh, run through the book real quick. Uh, so first is a relationship to God, and this is our primary relationship. Uh, I think back on uh, Pastor Brad's first uh, teaching on the pursuit of happiness. He talked about the same concept, that human beings' primary purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Uh, the next one, relationship with self. People are uniquely created in the image of God and thus have inherent worth and dignity. Uh, definitely important when we, when we think of, of folks who, who are in poverty. Uh, with others, God created us to live in loving relationship with one another and then the rest of creation. Uh, Genesis 1, 28-30 teaches us God created us to be stewards, people who understand, protect, subdue, and manage the world that God has created in order to preserve it and produce bounty. Uh, so, so again, uh, next on your handout. So, so uh, on your handout, when helping hurts a definition of poverty, much different. It's a broken relationship, a broken relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of creation. Now, notice I didn't say anything about a poverty line, uh, 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 you know, income, wealth. Uh, livable way, none of those things that we typically hear is actually pretty broad definition. And it's important why we do this. Uh, this is the point. This definition will lead us to drastically different solutions by the church. And when I mean the church, I mean the church in, in, in North America specifically. Um, it, it'll, it'll lead to drastically different solutions by the church. Solutions that are holistic, that target the heart, and that are much more effective. Uh, the next one uh, is poverty alleviation. Okay, that's the next uh, thing on your, uh, your handout there. Poverty alleviation becomes the ministry of reconciliation, moving people closer to glorifying God and living in right relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of creation. The book uh, talks about a concept called shared brokenness. 
Um, and, and I think this is very important. I've, I've, I've experienced this myself uh, in the power of this uh, when it comes to working with, with folks. Uh, and this is what it says. The fall really happened and is ra- it's wreaking havoc in all of our lives. We are all broken just in different ways. Okay? This is the point it makes. Until we brace this mutual brokenness, our work with low-income people is likely to do more harm than good. Okay? I want to finish out our time uh, because I know when I, when I first was introduced to this, you know, I kind of thought, well, what's the big deal? I mean, if you, know, if, if, if you see somebody in poverty or you want to help somebody out overseas and you just want to give them some stuff, you want to love on them, you know, God's, God's you know, blessed me, you know, I, don't want, I want to bless them. And, you know, sometimes that could be appropriate, but, but sometimes it actually can have devastating effects. Uh, so I have some examples here. There's a movie called Poverty, Inc. Uh, it's not a Christian movie or anything, but I, I would recommend it. Poverty, Inc., the movie is about the fact that the industry of helping those, especially globally, has become such a big industry, there's less focus on what's actually happening and the long-term effects of that help, and there's more focus on making sure uh, that the givers are having a good experience. Okay? So here, here's some of the examples they give. Uh, a farmer in Rwanda went out of business because he couldn't compete against an American church that was sending free eggs to feed starving Rwandans. A rice grower in Haiti stops growing rice because he's unable to compete against very cheap rice coming in from the U.S. Uh, this happened specifically uh, when Haiti had the devastating earthquakes. America continued and continued to send rice down there, and the local rice industry collapsed. Uh, a local shoemaker goes out of business in Africa when Tom's shoes lands up in a village and are distributed for free. Um, again, in all these cases, the donors had honest intentions. Okay? The American church wanted to feed starving people in Rwanda. The U.S. government wanted to feed disaster-stricken Haitians. The founder of Tom's generally wanted to help Africans uh, who didn't have proper footwear. So it, it, the, the, intentions, the intentions were good, uh, but it's, it, it, we have to think more about the long-term effect of what some of those handouts can be. Um, you, you know, it, it was interesting because I was thinking about this and, uh, you know, in the current political climate, and, you know, I was really thinking this from a, from a difference between free enterprise and capitalism and socialism. It seems like most of us... Uh, I'm, I'm sure we, we, we're a fan of free enterprise, we're, we're a fan of capitalism, we've seen the, the, the effects it's had, uh, you know, the blessings uh, for our country to be based on that, but it does seem like the history of the North American church, when it comes to poverty alleviation, it looks a little more like socialism. It looks like, let's give it to them for free, let's spread it out. Um, and what I hope to do over the next couple of weeks is really kind of talk about what are the efforts that change that tide? What are the efforts that are out there uh, uh, that, that can really be more focused on the end result? I want to leave with this, uh, and this is the, the harm of handouts. Um, and, and I read this from a, another book that was uh, focused on helping those in poverty. Um, and here's, here's where it starts. When you're, when you're giving a handout to a poor person, it starts with appreciation, Okay. Uh, so they're appreciative. I thought, man, that's great. You know, I needed that. As the handouts continue, then there's anticipation. Okay? Now they're anticipating that they're going to get that handout. Uh, maybe they need food to feed their children. They need money to, to pay a bill. Next, there's expectation. Now I'm expecting it. 
That turns into entitlement. Hey, I've been here. I've come every week. I deserve this. I need this handout. And then the most destructive thing is dependency. So finally, they're dependent on that. Um, and that's really what we want to uh, focus on, is really trying to change that uh, so that uh, poverty alleviation efforts are more focused on uh, looking at that end result, making sure we're not creating dependency amongst people. Next week, we're going to talk about relief, rehabilitation, and development. Uh, and I want to leave with this example. Um, let's say that we wanted to start a food pantry. Uh, food insecurity is, is a real thing, okay? There's, there's, there's children, you know, in, in this city uh, that, that don't get enough food. Uh, so, so it's real, and, and I want to make sure it's clear that I, I totally understand that. Um, and so let's say we wanted to, to help solve that problem and we wanted to start a food pantry. It's my argument that if we really, really cared about it, we would start that food pantry with a strategic plan of putting it out of business, Okay? Our, our success of the food pantry wouldn't be built on serving more and more people throughout the years. It'd be focused on making sure there's less and less people who are depending on it. Um, that takes more time. That's obviously going to be a lot harder. Um, but I believe that that would actually help to, to start to solve the issue um, of, of why the food pantry is needed in the first place. So, all right. We've got about 10 minutes. Does anybody have any questions? Any questions whatsoever? Preston, I think the community um, gardens have helped a lot of the yep. not handing out, but helping to build their own stuff. Good. Community gardens, uh, r really good example. It's teaching. Uh, it's teaching to, to, uh, to do their own food and those kind of things. That's a really good example. Uh, what I, what I want to do is, is the last session, we're actually going to get into, and we'll, we'll point out some good examples. Because, again, I want everybody to kind of leave with, what do these organizations look like? There's a lot of good work going on, uh, not only in, in Des Moines, but throughout the world, of some things that we can get involved in, and that's a, that's a good example of those. So, did I see another hand? I'm familiar with their organization. Yeah, yeah, but we don't work. Uh, yes. There is a right time to give. Are you going to define that? Yep. That? Yep. Yep. That's a good good question, Chuck. Is there is there a right time to give? And and that's what that's what I hope to do is to really is to really give us uh, some of those things, uh, some of those tools, so that we can we can think through that. When is a when is a right time to give? Um, you know, a lot of times it's, it's always going to be a right time to, to build a relationship um, and to talk about Jesus. And so um, that's what, that's what uh, you know, when they, when they redefine the definition of poverty uh, away from the material um, and into the broken relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of creation, um, that's what it's getting at, is that, is that we need to be more relational, so... All right, any other questions? Well, good. If, if there's anything specific, uh, a topic that you do want uh, to be addressed over the next couple of weeks, let me know. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about relief, rehabilitation, and development in the next group. So let me just uh, close this in prayer, and then um, we'll have about 
It looks like about 10 minutes, then we'll pick up our kids. So let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this time, God. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for giving us a heart for, for all of those around us. Uh, Lord, just uh, continue to, uh, to humble us, uh, help us to be open uh, to what your word says, help us to be open to those around us, um, help us to think through some of these concepts and, and to truly, truly have a heart for uh, those around the world um, who are hurting tonight, uh, God, that, that we know that the ultimate thing is, is you, Lord, is the gospel. God, so just, uh, just help us to remind not only ourselves that or those around us, uh, and just be a part of, of, of bringing your gospel throughout the whole world. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.